Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than Anything you've ever known And it won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes At the mention of His name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father will you bow Will you surrender to His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory Amen. while you have breath mm-hmm. you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Amen Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter 
from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Have you ever felt like God was so far distant from you that he was just absent? Have you struggled with the accusations that the devil will bring against you? And oh, he is good at bringing the accusations. And the harder you fight against them, the more guilty you feel. And you wonder how in the world can I ever get through this? Sometimes people dive into comfort foods. Like one person I know, they go get their wine bottle. And they drink until they're happy. That's a false happiness. It's not real. It's It's something that will destroy the soul of a person. Some people just go to work. They bury themselves in their job. Some people play video games and numb their brain out and numb their heart out by killing countless people on the screen numbing themselves out until finally it will be nothing for them to pick up an AR-15 and go kill a bunch of people in an Austin mall. They have seared their heart and all love has gone from them and all that remains is a bitter shell of darkness. We all make those choices. We all are accused by Satan. And you have to know, what are you going to do when your turn comes? Now, I've learned with God that sometimes it feels like he's very, very distant and doesn't care, and I'm on my own. I've learned from God is that he's very present. That he will never leave or forsake one of his children. We'll talk about what that love is like. And how you can know that love. Right now, because of the pain of my injury with a a right leg not functioning, can't put weight on it. It's now been over three weeks. I've had to learn, and I'm struggling still, please, with all the accusations that the devil brings against me through his own spirits and through other people who say some of the Meanest things. They don't mean them to be mean. They mean them to be practical. Pastor, go to a doctor. No, I'm at the doctor's. He's handling my case. His name is Dr. Rofi. Dr. Jesus. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to say some things that they believe to be true. And then the devil is going to use those very things like arrows or spears, to try to take me down. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm rejoicing in Jesus through the pain and the anguish of it. And yes, Jesus will come and he will heal me. And it will be a testimony that I will share on the radio with you or on the YouTube with you. So this love of God that he has for us, it involves some emotional support. But to understand that love, you've got to understand the depth of who God is 
and what he's about with your life. Yes, I said it. God has a plan for your life that goes far beyond anything you could possibly imagine or hope for. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. And let's take a careful look at what God is doing in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So, Paul opens the book of Ephesians with this amazing statement. Amazing statement that there is nothing in the heavenly realm that God has withheld from us. Everything is available. It's there for you. If I give you a check for $1 million, and then you go and collect food stamps, and groan and moan about how poor you are, while in fact you're a millionaire, wouldn't that seem obscene to you? It would to me. No. You have to take that million-dollar check to the bank and deposit it in your account and then withdraw from that everything you need to cover your daily living expenses. It says, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now the number one gift that Paul talks about in Ephesians, the first chapter, is the fact that you are not a second thought, a by-thought. You're not something that happened by chance. You were considered before the creation of the world. And I'm sure if I could go, if I had been able to go into the heavenly realms before God created the world and say, could I see the list of people who are going to be upon the earth? I'm sure my name would have been there. But not only would my name have been there, it says he chose me. You're not an accident. The way you are, your personality, your your gifts, your abilities, none of that is accidental. Notice, he chose us in him before the creation world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Oh, here's the trouble. When I don't want to be holy and I don't want to be blameless, and I cast aside the purpose God has for my life. Some of you, you don't know what your purpose is. I spoke with a man recently. He said, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, hasn't God told you what your purpose is? No. God doesn't talk to me. Well, have you recognized that his plan for you is that you be holy and blameless in his sight? That is, utterly given over to him to do what he's called you to do as a part of his kingdom, as a part of his as his children. Because you're not an afterthought. You were meant to be. You were not born into neutrality. You were born into a world under full attack by the demons of hell. And if you don't recognize that and you go with the flow of your life, you will never fulfill the purpose God has for you. So you'll become defensive. You'll become accusatory. 
You'll become discouraged and hopeless. And you'll gain meaning from things in the devil's world, not from Jesus. Now, I'm going to come back to that. That's a very important point. Notice, he goes on, in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So the pleasure and will of God is that you be his adopted son. Now, why adopted? Because... Until you serve Jesus Christ, you belong to the devil. And Jesus takes you out from under that bitter captivity and he establishes you in innocence. Why does the devil accuse you? Well, because you haven't been innocent. And he says, forget about this God who's going to come and adopt you. You're already mine. You okay with belonging to the devil? Oh, pastor, I don't belong to the devil. I belong to myself. No, that's you belonging to the devil. Notice. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he knows, in the one he loves, that is, Jesus, he loves Jesus. In him, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect, when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now, if you look, keep your finger right there in the first chapter and go to the third chapter of Ephesians. Let me read for you verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may not be discouraged. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. Well, then, what should Satan's game plan be? Get into the church. Destroy the foundation of God's love. Destroy the work of the atonement so that God's people can never be free of sin but always be under the charge of being guilty before God. Or come up with some lie that takes away the guilt but leaves the sin. That's horrific. How would you feel if God said to you, I forgive you for your sins, but you have to keep them. You're not free of your sin because you can never be free of your sin. What am I saying? The blood of Jesus can't do the job. I can never be free. I'm always a sinner. I hate that. The blood of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going next. The blood of Jesus Christ has power. I almost named this broadcast. I almost named this broadcast. Around that issue. can never be free. 
you can never truly enter into the love of Jesus Christ because you're always going to be a sinner. No, 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 no. The love of Jesus Christ cleanses me of all unrighteousness. So God's purpose was that everyone would become one under the rulership, the headship of Jesus Christ to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. I want to show you another passage. It's over here in Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Let's begin with verse 11. Hebrews 9, verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. You look at verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. I'm reading to you out of the NIV, New International Bible, Hebrews 9, verse 14. How much more then Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Wait a minute. Understand the words that are being spoken. This is the incredible gift of God to you. An incredible gift of God. It says, It will cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death. In other words, the things we do will be scrubbed off and scrubbed out, and we will no longer do those wicked things. We are cleansed. Our conscience is cleansed from the acts that lead to death. Well, what leads to death? If you look at Romans, the sixth chapter, the last verse, it will say, the wages of sin is death. So he's saying this cleansing blood of Jesus washes us from those acts, those sins, so that we may serve the living God. Now, what if I tell you, oh, no, no, no. You're going to always have those sins in your life. But Jesus is going to cover your sin with his righteousness, with his innocence. He's going to give to you his righteousness. And when God looks at you, he won't see you. He'll see Jesus. What a shell game. What a lie. That's not the gospel of Jesus. And I'm going to show you some more scriptures. The gospel of Jesus is that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all uncleanness, not covers, cleanses. So, say someone asks you to babysit their little puppy, and you say, okay, 
We like little puppies. Little puppy comes in romping around, chasing, playing. And then suddenly, he has to tinkle. Or more. So he does it right in the middle of your living room. Now, what do you do? Well, you go get some paper towels and cover it over. Is the mess still there? Of course. Is it going to stink? Of course. Are you going to want to leave that mess on your carpet? No. No, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go get the proper equipment. The cleansing power of soap. You're going to clean that mess up. And you're going to make it fresh and clean like it was before it took place. Well, what's going to happen if I or you make a mess? And we say, okay, we'll just cover it up with the blood of Jesus. Does that change the fact that the sin is still present? Now, in the Old Covenant, sin was covered over by the blood of bulls and goats, lambs. But the blood of Jesus is not like the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of Jesus totally removes the sin, cleanses, makes us whole, makes us clean. Not pretend, not cover up. Let's see, here's where the hard part comes. You have to make a decision. Do you want to be made clean by the blood of Jesus? See, God has loved us so much that he has given us the aggressive, powerful blood of Jesus Christ to completely cleanse us, to completely restore us, to make us new, to remove that sin, yea, even the inclination to sin in our hearts. Look at Romans, the sixth chapter. Read it carefully. Read it carefully. Listen. But now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as a man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sin of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. See, the good news of the gospel is that God loves you. His love goes so far beyond my understanding. It goes to the deepest pit and to the highest heaven. He loves you. Now, here's where it gets very difficult. Very, very difficult. I have a memory but not nearly so good as the devil's memory. He remembers everything. He knows how you have 
criticize yourself and beat yourself up for what you have done in the past, whether it was sexual uncleanness, lying, cheating, stealing. He knows what you've done in the past. Now, he can't get you to do those things again, but he can come back and say, who do you think you are? You're guilty. No, I'm not guilty. And see, this is where sin is engaged. Last night was a very difficult night for me. I was awake often. And in the in the pain, the devil came and began to attack me. You're going to be a cripple the rest of your life, Ray. You're stupid, Ray. You better go get a doctor and have this thing looked at. You don't need to be in this pain. God is not going to heal you. You can't trust the word of God. Look, you're you're a follower of Jesus. You've totally given yourself to him. And where's God? He left you. Look at what you've Look at what you've done in the past. Why would God come and and do anything for you? He's cast you off. Those are all lies of the devil. And at three o'clock in the morning, they can be very powerful words. And what I've had to learn is how to fight with the devil. How to quote the scriptures of promise. That's how this message was developed in the attacks of Satan against me, telling me that I cannot trust God, and my telling him, I trust God. This is what the scriptures say. The scriptures, well, listen, Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. On Jan- on July 25 of, of 06, I was utterly broken and discouraged. The money was not there to carry the radio broadcast. I felt sick. Things were not going well at the church. I was just broken before God. And I didn't want my wife to hear me. I didn't want anybody to know. So I went upstairs in the closet, in my closet. And in that closet, there was a large space. And I cried out to God. And I said, look at what's happening, Lord. It feels to me like you have deserted me and left me on my own. And I'm going to totally be wiped out. And I don't know what to do. It was one of those sweet, sweet times when the Holy Spirit spoke as clearly as I'm now speaking. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I didn't even know it was a scripture. But when I heard it, I knew it was a scripture. So I had to go find it. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Verse 5 and 6. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Oh, and I rejoiced. My heart was turned from sadness to shouting praises to dancing before the Lord in my closet. (laughs) We serve a God who loves us, who heals our wounds, who turns the devil away and says, leave my child alone. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to leave. He will not desert you. He will continue to love you and call after you, heal you, and restore you. And then we look at verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. The only way I can be holy is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. When that blood, at my invitation and my submission, comes into my life, now listen to me. You don't go get it. You ask for it. And when that blood begins to enter into you, the sin is driven out of your life. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. We go to him. We cut off this life. We go to Jesus with all of our warts, with all of our sin. We go to Jesus with our hopelessness. We go to Jesus with our brokenness. Verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city. But we are looking for this city that is coming. Through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. For we do not forget to do good share with others with such sacrifices God is pleased God comes through his son Jesus Christ to make us holy it is God who makes us holy people have gotten very angry with me. Pastors have become very angry, saying, you're just a legalist. No, I'm not a legalist in any sense. I believe that the blood of Jesus, sacrificed on Calvary's tree, and then literally taken into the heavenly throne room of God, the temple of heaven, That literal blood is so valuable and so powerful. When God releases that blood over your life, your life begins immediately to be transformed until all sin is eradicated from your heart. Now, the church doesn't believe that today because they love their sin. They love their sports. They love their their impurity, their indecency. 
They love their positions of power and authority. They love when men bow down to them. They love with all of their heart the money and the great edifices that they can build, pile up as much brush as they can. But there's no cleansing of the blood of Jesus in that place. Because you cannot be in Jesus and Jesus in you until you renounce all sin. So, can I walk in my sin and be in Jesus? No. And when I'm walking in my sin, that's the special time that the devil can attack and say, see, God doesn't love you. And it's a lie. You want to get clean with Jesus? Then get on your face before him and say, Jesus, would you send your mighty, powerful blood to wash and cleanse me and make me clean? See, salvation is not by works. It's by faith. But it's not human faith. It's God's faith. It's faith that comes in and begins to just move out of my life everything that stands in the way of full righteousness in Jesus. And he does it very quickly. Oh, he's going to go on maturing you and growing you up in him. We're all starting as infant babies, making messes. But as the Holy Spirit comes in and uses that blood, we are washed and cleansed, and we stop sinning against God. Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about the love of God. The great outpouring love of God. He loved us before the creation of the world. We were chosen by God before the creation of the earth. Our name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the world was even created. How incredible. How awesome. And then we were stolen away by the devil. Now we're often afraid to step out and say, Okay, Lord. Come and take possession. I hate the kingdom of darkness. I hate walking in the dark. I hate seeing what it does as it tears my heart apart. And Satan comes with every accusation. And he says, you can't be clean. He says, you can't be saved. You can't have the sin removed. You can't be healed and restored. God says, you liar. Every man and every woman has the opportunity before going to the final judgment. We have the opportunity to be completely healed and restored. Now, I'm in a hard place, but I rejoice in that hard place because I know God is at work in my spirit and in my body, and I trust what he's going to do with me because he's going to totally change me, heal me, restore me to the heavenly realm. I think of that wonderful Ephesians passage. I hadn't planned to share it with you again today, but but I can't help it. It's too wonderful. As for you, Ephesians 2.1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. See, these things are are not meant for us. Jesus didn't create us with these things. The devil came and took over, and he brought into our hearts a spirit of disobedience, of rebellion, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. See, it's not by grace that covers over our sin. Nowhere in Scripture are we taught that grace saves us by covering over our sins. No. God forgives us for our sins, and the Greek word is aphemy, which means to totally remove, to remove our sins. God is not going to forgive you for a sin and let that sin continue to be in your heart. That's not forgiveness. That's not love. Love is not telling you, oh, I know you're a sick puppy. I know that you're sinning, but I love you. So I'll cover your sin in the middle of heaven's throne room. I'll cover your sin. No. He removes our sin. He makes us into new creatures. Let me finish reading this. This is Ephesians 2 verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Now he's done that. In the spirit, our place of dwelling is sitting beside him on the throne with with the Father. We're his children. He promised he would wipe away our sin. He would restore us. So the question, what do you want? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be restored? Do you want the blood of Jesus to flow through you and totally remove all sin from your heart? To take from you even the enticement to sin from your own heart? Oh yeah, you'll be tempted by the devil. But the blood removes the enticement in our heart to sin. We sit on the throne with God. The only way that scripture could be true is if the blood of Jesus removes that sin from our hearts. That's the only way it can be really true. That sin has to be removed. I have time. One more scripture I want to share with you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. This is Ephesians 4, verse 30. 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now here are the things that will grieve the Holy Spirit. Bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. Live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God, Among you, there must be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Never should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to men what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Verse 14, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Well, the love of God is here for you. God does love you. No matter what you feel like, he loves you, and it's his heart to heal you to restore you. It's not his desire that you live in darkness, but that you step into the light and be filled with the glory of Jesus. That's what he wants for you. Well, we're out of time. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I wait upon Jesus to move in your heart, to give, to cover the costs of production, to cover the costs of paying the radio bill. I trust that Jesus will move in your heart. God bless you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Talk to you tomorrow. I love you. God bless you with his love.